At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Were Florida gas pumps sabotaged just ahead of Hurricane Adelia? And 77,000 pages a day are what Trump's lawyers are going to have to read every day until his March trial. This is a Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley. Top story is Hurricane Adelia. A Category 3 or 4 hurricane is expected to make landfall in northeast Florida near Big Ben on Wednesday morning before it spends its way up towards South Carolina and Georgia. The governors of Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina have all declared states of emergency, which that's interesting to me when it comes to Georgia because the Georgia Freedom Caucus is supposed to hold a press conference on Thursday at 11 a.m., I think, at the Georgia State Capitol about Trump's indictment, which is the type of thing, as we learned this past weekend, when Georgia Governor Brian Kemp tried to ban voter integrity activists from a fish fry in Perry, Georgia, that he doesn't like to have these types of meetings occur. He likes to break them up. So I don't think he would do this and or, or could even pull it off, but with the broad power that a state of emergency declaration gives him, he could probably prevent this meeting from happening if he really wanted to. I mean, it's not even supposed to rain on Thursday, so it would be pretty obvious if the emergency declaration was still in place. And it would be obvious if he stopped that meeting on like a sunny day. But these people, as we've seen lately, have shown no shame and demonstrating to us what they're willing to do for the sake of stopping things they don't like. Anyway, there's a weird story in Florida, a hurricane-related story, that caught my attention because I've never heard a story like this before, and the timing of it couldn't be worse right as the hurricane is about to hit and everyone is preparing. The Florida Department of Agriculture issued an alert saying that gasoline contaminated with diesel fuel that could potentially disable people's car engines or generator engines has been distributed to gas stations across the country. Now, this this gas originated at the Port of Tampa, so the gas stations most affected are in the area where the hurricane is supposed to make landfall. And this happened over the weekend, so the contaminated gas is already in the pumps at these local Tampa Tampa area gas stations and other areas of the state as well. So you have people down there in Florida who've been watching the news coverage of the hurricane. They've been told that they need to prepare. They followed the instructions. They decided to go out and get gas. And then when they got there, some of them filled their tanks up with gasoline that could very well disable their car in the middle of the hurricane or their power generator. I mean, you think you do what you're supposed to do to prepare, Boom, your engine's gone. And here's the kicker. The reason that the gas is contaminated, any guesses? Human error. That's right, human error. Apparently, workers at Sitgo, which is the company that supplies fuel to the greater Tampa area, 
accidentally switched diesel and regular gasoline in a shipment to the gas stations down there, resulting in diesel coming out of the, the fuel pumps at the gas stations while regular gas was coming out of the diesel pumps. The gas stations didn't know. People didn't know. And this means that not only regular gasoline-powered cars are going to be left stranded on the side of the road, possibly, it also means that diesel-powered ones might be too, because they also cannot run on the wrong kind of gas. And that's important, because you know what kind of vehicles run on diesel gas? Many emergency response vehicles do. In fact, FEMA, apparently, as well as state and local emergency operations, rely heavily on diesel-powered engines and equipment. Many fire trucks and ambulances do as well. And tactical military vehicles also use diesel. All vehicles that are vital to the emergency response in the moment of a hurricane. So let's hope this problem doesn't get as bad as it looks like it potentially could. Let's hope it's nothing, actually. Now, again, they're telling us that this was an accident. Pretty big one, I'd say, at an inopportune time as well. One that, according to Kelly Blue Book, the car resource site, is very rare. And they're only talking about at the gas station mix-up level, not, not at the supplier level. I actually have not been able to find a previous instance of the gasoline supplier mixing up the gas before it was distributed to the gas stations. All the stories that I have been able to find have been gas mix-ups that were the fault of the gas station owners. In this case, apparently, the canisters or whatever they deliver them in, the, the labels were wrong and the gas was in the opposite canister. That's probably not the what, what they call it, but it's the only way I know how to describe it. So... I'm sure that this has happened before, but it definitely appears to be very, very rare. What I'm saying is, this is what sabotage would look like. Not saying that that is what it is. Sure, it could be coincidence. I'm just saying that if it were sabotage, this is exactly what it would look like. I mean, it sounds like it's straight out of the OSS simple sabotage manual to me. Gasoline is one of the most important things to have during a hurricane, not just for citizens, but for the emergency response crews, as I was mentioning a moment ago with their diesel vehicles. It, like, it's super crucial. Everybody needs energy during a crisis. And yet, right after it's reported that a hurricane is formed and is going to hit in however many days, the supplier of gasoline to the very area where the hurricane is expected to make landfall, in the rarest of occasions, accidentally switches its diesel fuel and it's regular gas. Then it distributes that contaminated fuel to gas stations, unknown to the gas stations, all over the soon-to-be crisis area. You would think that gasoline suppliers would be overly careful not to do something like this when they knew full well, because they saw it on the news also, that a hurricane was on the way and their commodity, gasoline, was going to be a crucial, much-needed lifeline for everyone. Not, not a good time to be careless and commit, like, a unicorn uh, of screw-ups here. Which, of course, that is what it could be. It could be an accident. I mean, that could be what it is. That's possible. So is sabotage. 
if, if I were the investigators on this, I'd keep my mind open. I knew if I'd take them at their word for, oh, it was uh, so-and-so. He was just a little sleepy. Committed a one-of-a-kind, you know, mess up. We sent him home for the day. No big worries about that. And on top of that, when you also consider that Sitco is technically 100% owned by a Venezuelan government state-run energy company, and that the president of Venezuela and DeSantis don't like each other. DeSantis, who's running for president, by the way, this could make him look bad if it ends up, you know, being a worst-case scenario. I hope it's not. And just a week and a half ago or so, the Venezuelan president, who, who has very much been involved in this company, Sitco, and the energy company that owns it. I mean, there's a lot of controversy in history going back here with this company. Just a week and a half ago, he demanded that the U.S. give Sitco and the billions it stole from Venezuela back because we froze their assets. We put sanctions on them in 2019, and they haven't been able to profit from the company since then. And this company was a major source of, of revenue for them. And he's pissed off about it, it would seem. Not to mention that the company was also promised to Russia by Venezuela back in 2017 as a, a guarantee on if their debt defaults because they owe Russia and China, strangely enough, a whole bunch of debt because their economy was collapsing over there and so the, the prices went up for the help of Russia and China and they said, look, we'll just give you Sitco. And so if they default on that loan, then Russia could potentially get their hands on this company. I don't know how all that works right now. I'm not a geopolitical expert. I know the assets are frozen, and now we're apparently going to sell it off, even though this other company owned it. We're going to sell it off to a bunch of debtors, not including Russia. But this this is kind of coming to a head, it looks like, this conflict with Sitco and Venezuela and us, right around the same time as this is going on. Of course, they couldn't have caused the hurricane to happen, but you know maybe could have attempted a little bit of simple sabotage along the way. I guarantee you this, if they operate the way the OSS does, which is they drop these manuals for simple sabotage into war areas that are intended for the citizens of opposition countries who are friendly to our cause, then Venezuela would be dropping manuals into the hands of sicko and police that would tell them how to conduct simple sabotage. And one of those things they would recommend would absolutely be to taint the fuel lines during a, a hurricane crisis situation. I mean, it says that kind of stuff about as a whole section that focuses on tainting gas engines in the original simple sabotage manual in a variety of different ways. Oh, and one more, one more thing there. Maduro, I think is how you say his name. He's the current president. According to the Council on Foreign Relations, his regime is currently being kept afloat by those trading partnerships with Russia and China. And a couple of weeks ago, Maduro made this announcement that he hopes Venezuela will join BRICS, which is like an opposition to, I think, NATO. It's an economic cooperation of a variety of companies. It's, it's like the axis of evil, I think, is what, it, what they might as well call it. And it's led by, among others, Russia and China. So <laughs> probably just an accident. Maybe nothing will happen. Hopefully nothing happens. There hasn't been a ton of coverage on it. Let's just hope that nobody gets stuck in a bad situation. 
simple sabotage does work that way. The way that they talk about it is that you do as many, you get people on the ground, workers, everyday citizens to commit these smaller acts of sabotage in the course of their job that they can claim is an accident that might go under the radar and not be discovered for, for what it really is. And the whole idea is not necessarily the consequences of, of the sabotage because it's inexpensive. It doesn't cost very much to do stuff like that, apparently. Well, I mean, it might cost the company a lot, but not the individual. Like, it, it's free. Just probably lose his or her job or, or blame it on somebody else. An outcome isn't the goal. They encourage people not to worry about that. They just want them doing stuff to mess with people. So you can't rule out sabotage even if nothing really happens. And let's, again, hope that nothing really happens. In the alert that was sent out about it, it said that people who received fuel from more than two dozen gas stations across the Florida Gulf Coast, including several in the immediate Tampa area, could have the contaminated fuel if they purchased it after 10 a.m. on Saturday, this past Saturday. DeSantis did make a statement. He said, you're going to have people potentially just stuck on the side of the road. I mean, if you fill up your tank with diesel and then you just start driving it, it's not going to end well. With his traditional way with words that he is so known for at this point, you know what he needs to do? He needs to start slitting throats of this hurricane day one now that he's in charge. Some of the gas stations that it was believed to have received the contaminated fuel have been checked and cleared, but there are still 17 of them that remain under a stop sale order, mostly 7-Elevens and BJ's wholesale stations. And for people who think that they have bought some of this bad gasoline, what state officials have done is they've opened up a hotline to receive complaints at, which is very nice of them. You're stuck on the side of the road. A 20-foot storm surge is bearing down on you. Your car won't start. But at least you can call and complain. All right, so the other big story that's in the news today, you're not going to believe it. It's about Trump. It's always about Trump. Even when the news is not about Trump, it's about Trump. Trump, Trump, Trump. Trump. All press is good press. He's very skilled at that. This week's Trump news is that after being spotted hugging one of his grandchildren, Fannie Willis declared that to be an overt act in furtherance of a conspiracy, added it to the indictment. Everyone in her life doing nothing but committing overt acts in furtherance of conspiracies in this sprawling investigation. A sprawling investigation, by the way. Sprawling. That, that just means an evidence-free investigation. Fishing for a crime, as Sir Tim of Tunnels expressed it, with an image on, on Twitter so perfectly. What the actual Trump news this week is, is that once again, the Justice Department has demonstrated boldly and proudly just how willing they are to abuse power right in front of us for all to see. How willing they are to commit overt acts and furtherance of abusing power. And they're not sorry. What they've done this time is they've set Trump's trial date for his federal Jack Smith January 6th charge or, or trial for March 4th, 2024, which is the day before the most important presidential primary voting day of the voting season, also known as Super Tuesday. Well, isn't that just about as much of a coincidence as diesel fuel getting accidentally switched with regular gas on the day the hurricane's coming in by the supplier? These people do not care, okay? They are corrupt. They know they're corrupt. They know we know they're corrupt, and they don't care that we know they're corrupt. They are so corrupt and drunk off of power that they seem to now feel that it's beneath them to even cover up any of their corruption anymore. They want us all to see it. They want us to see that they don't care what you or me or the Constitution or the rule of law thinks about how the justice system is supposed to work. 
because they're going to use the justice system the way that they want, and they're going to bend it to whatever purpose they're trying to serve. And in this instance, they're going to use it to violate a criminal defendant's right to an adequately prepared defense, which stems from a 1934 case, if I recall correctly, which found that the defendant's attorney must have sufficient time to prepare defense. Very simple, clear-cut, not confusing law at all. That right is being violated by setting a trial date that doesn't even pretend to allow time for Trump's lawyers to prepare for this case, especially when you combine it with the fact of how they abused the discovery process by burying Trump's lawyers in 12.8 million discovery documents. 12.8 million. Could you read that in six months? Could a computer read that in, in six months? Actually, it's around 14 million that Trump's lawyers probably have to go through at a minimum, according to Alan Dershowitz, which whatever you think about him, he does know the law very well. And that, that's based on what they have also collected. So you take 14 million documents, divided by 180 days until the trial or so. And according to his calculations, and I did verify this, that's just under 78,000 documents a day that Trump's lawyers must go through in order thoroughly go through. Okay, not just flip over, thoroughly go through and think about in order to adequately prepare a defense for their client, which is a right that he is owed. So this week's public abuse of power by the government, they've literally done the opposite of what they're supposed to do. They have not served justice. They have served injustice. The judge is not protecting the defendant's right to an adequate defense. The judge is ensuring that it's impossible to provide the defendant with an adequate defense. The discovery process, it's also being abused. What it's there for is to enable the parties to know before the trial begins what evidence may be presented so everything can be fair and just and preparation can be adequate. It's designed to prevent trial by ambush, which is when one side doesn't learn of the evidence or witnesses or whatever else until the trial begins, when it is then too late to go out and obtain evidence to counter that. By flooding Trump's lawyers with 12.8 million documents, more than any individual who's ever lived, could ever go through in the short amount of time that they've been given, they have used the discovery process to serve the opposite purpose that it's designed for. They haven't used it to prevent trial by ambush. They've used it to guarantee trial by ambush, to make sure that Trump's lawyers are never able to go through all of the details and all of these documents, these millions of documents that could come up at trial that they would need to have a defense prepared for. They have once again not ensured justice. They have ensured injustice. This is so blatant and abusive. It's unbelievable. It's extraordinary how open they are about it now. They didn't used to always be this open about it. And not only that, the media, as well as their biggest brainwashing victims, are celebrating this abuse of power. Take my rights away because I hate Trump. It's really extraordinary. It's time to step back and really think about another way to approach and deal with these truly brainwashed people. I mean, trolling is fun and everything, but just going back and forth with them, it just makes them feel like they're serving their purpose of being a, in the troll army for what they are, I mean, manipulated into believing is some moral cause at the expense of whatever else ends justifies means. And their purpose is just to sit there and troll people online all day, troll specific messages and copy and paste lines that they've been given in their script. Uh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, all individualism, all thought, all ability to process information and think just robbed, stolen from them by these people who they've become blindly loyal to, whose job it is to deceive them. Fighting with these trolls is not going to do anything to help them escape. And we need to help them escape. 
because these people are emboldened by them. Like, without all of these people, it would just be the media supporting them and the public would see. We need to turn these people away from their manipulators and towards us and show them that we are not their enemy. Because if that happens, then this rampant abuse of power that is spiraling out of control could not continue. It, it would crumble. I mean, we can't just give information to these people on social media. They, they can no longer process objective facts. They can no longer separate information from the way that they feel about the source of that information, which means that they are controlled completely by those who have captured their minds and feed them information. It's easy to want to mock these people, but we have to understand they are being held captive. They are not in control of what they're doing. Their minds are not their own. It's been stolen from them, everything. They're, they're like part of the zombie collective. So we have to start seeing them in that way. And approaching them like that, we can't just feed the zombies' brains with facts and information on Twitter. Yeah, we can give them facts and information, but it has to be in a different way. We have to talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, away from social media, in an environment where the ob observer factor isn't going on. Because everybody is always trying to perform for somebody. They want to sound or look like the, the people they think they align with and not like the others. It's, it's just so easy to get people to do things when you know exactly how they, were, how they will react based on what, what the source of information is. It has nothing to do with the content. It's just such a manipulatable, predictable thing. Have to get them away from trying to appease their side and oppose the other. Because they're always going to disagree with those that they think they don't like or hate, and they're always going to agree with their captors in that environment. One-on-one -on -one conversations. And we, and we have to know that when they say arguments to us, stuff that might piss us off, that those aren't their words. That is not them saying that. There's no reason to take it personal. So we have to see that as a symptom of this disease they've been infected with while they've been held captive. And then we can figure out ways to communicate better with them and express empathy because when people expect you to react in a certain way and they've been trained to expect people to push back and get angry and fight with them, all you have to do is not react in the expected way that they've been conditioned, and it starts to break that conditioning. So if you're just nice to them, and if you don't get mad at them, you don't call them names, even though it might be fun to do that online sometimes, and I do it too, but if you don't react in that way, then that is going to throw them off and give them a bit of cognitive dissonance, which will open their mind a bit, and you can start to communicate with them in ways where they will be more receptive which they never are on social media at all. But what they're doing is enabling this abuse of power, like I said. They're helping create this environment where those holding office right now and holding power feel more and more comfortable to just be open thugs and, and mobsters, violating all laws and flaunting it. And we got to stop that before it gets too out of control. And it, and it starts with seeing these people as the victims that they are and helping them escape because they don't see what we can see so we have to help open their eyes and if we don't and worse comes to worse they will see it they'll see it anyway it'll just be down the road a little bit they will see the monster that they helped create they will see that what they're celebrating right now what they're propping up what they're protecting what with the help of the media they are emboldening to grow stronger is a government that no longer feels the need to even pretend it's not corrupt no longer feels the need to hide any of their abuses of power who kind of enjoys showing it off actually who takes pleasure and violating every right and every freedom endowed to all of us by the Constitution, 
This will become very clear to them one day when they are the ones who have fallen victim to such abuse, when they are the ones saying, what about my rights? And they are being laughed at in their faces by this arrogant monster of a government that they helped create. And that will be a very harrowing moment for them. It's time to start thinking about how we can help them come to that realization much, much sooner before the wild abuses of power we're seeing right now spins even further out of control. To not recognize, and this is how you can uh, assess people's level of brain damage, how far it's progressed, to not recognize that a March 4th trial date, six months or so for now, and that flooding Trump's attorneys with 12.8 million discovery documents is not an attempt to pursue justice, but is actually an attempt to pursue injustice. To not recognize that is to be totally disconnected from reality. It's to no longer be capable of thought. Like anyone celebrating this stuff right now is either a brain-dead zombie blindly following some bullshit politicians conning them or a comic book villain. Ha ha ha, take away my rights. I will sacrifice them all because I hate Trump. It's so short-sighted. It's unbelievable. Trump's lawyers obviously argued against the March 4th date and pointed out how it's literally impossible to read all, for any human, to read all of those documents, 78K a day, from now until March 4th. And therefore, it is impossible for them to prepare an adequate defense, as is the right for their client. So how did the judge respond to this argument that, up until a couple of years ago, would be accepted by every court in the country? Easily. No, no resistance. By making stuff up. She just made stuff up. She said the public has a right to an efficient resolution of this matter. The public has a right to an efficient resolution of this matter. No, they don't. What, what law is that? The public doesn't have any rights to in a trial that they're not in personally. They definitely don't have rights that are prioritized over the rights of the defendant in a trial. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And this is coming from a, a federal judge. If I just said that in law school, I'd have gotten scolded, embarrassed, and kicked out of class. They do that in law school sometimes because they try and emphasize how you need to be prepared for everything. In court, you can't just wing it because that's not how the law works. At least that's not how it used to work. This is a federal court judge that just made up something, and is treating it like it's controlling law, and using it to further, not justice, to further injustice. Laws for injustice, the made-up ones, is what that is. Show me the law. Where's the law that says the public has a right for the efficient resolution of this matter, even if it's at the expense of the defendant's right for an adequate defense? Where is that statutory law? What's the code? It doesn't exist. That's the code. It's bullshit. She knows it is. She knows everybody knows it is. She knows all of this is bullshit. And she loves it. She, she, she loves being able to make some shit up, abuse her power unchecked, and pretend it's law. Because that's not all. That's, that's not even the end of how ridiculous this is. We know that Trump's lawyers are not going to have a lot of time over the next six months because they got 78K documents to read every single day, thoroughly read and think about. So they, they really need to get to work. They don't have any time to spare. 
there's just one problem. Many of the 12.8 million documents that they need to go through in six months, they cannot legally look at because they have yet to be given the proper security clearance to look legally at these documents, some of which are classified. Maybe all of them are classified. I mean, everything is, is in their way preventing justice, all serving injustice. It's like judge finds that Trump's lawyers must ride to court every day on flat tires. They, on just the rent, they must walk to court every single day carrying a 40-pound weight behind them. They must walk in a totem pole to court. They must present their case on each other's shoulders. Or he's guilty. Judge in Trump trial rules that Trump's lawyers can only cross-examine every third witness and they can only ask questions that start and end with the letter Z. And Trump must testify with a court-ordered ball gag in his mouth. Or he's going to be held in contempt of court. It's unbelievable. It wouldn't surprise me if the judge instructed the jury, just outright said, I instruct you to find Trump guilty. I mean, this all feels like a provocation to me, doesn't it? Does it feel that way to you? Like, this truly thuggish government uh, are just coming up to us every day, just poking us in the chest, saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Look what I'm willing to get away with. Would you dare question me? Because that's what a lot of this is about. They don't want us questioning them, for sure. Now, they don't want us questioning their precious authority that they hold so dear. That's what all of this feels like. They want to provoke us into an actual January 6th. Not an FBI-created January 6th. They want a real one. They want to divide and conquer us. They want to tear this nation apart. Some people think that putting Trump in prison might actually accomplish that. I don't know that it would. Trump's going to win the GOP primary. We know that. Putting him in prison doesn't disqualify him. He will still run. He will do just like Eugene Debs did during the 1920 election, which I've talked about a little bit before, who ran against Warren G. Harding for president. And he was put in federal prison by Woodrow Wilson for daring to speak out publicly against America's participation in World War I. In other words, he was imprisoned by the federal government for exercising his First Amendment right. Different context, same thing that's going on here with Trump. That's what they're going after him for. Another interesting thing, you know where Debs went to prison? The Atlanta Federal Penitentiary. I don't know if that prison is still around. That might be the same one Trump goes to. Who knows? Maybe he goes to the same cell. Debs was also an older guy when they went after him. He was 64. And while he was in jail, just like Trump, he used his circumstances to campaign. See, at the time, his opponent, Warren Harding, was doing a front porch campaign where he was inviting people to come to his front porch and he was having conversations with them. You know, because people have conversations on front porches. Well, in response to that, Debs did what he called a front cell campaign. Conversations at the front of the cell. You know, like prisoners do. People rallied for this guy too, man. Not like they do for Trump, but they did rally for him. After he was first imprisoned, protests broke out. Turned into a riot. A brawl. People were arrested. That's probably what they wanted. That's definitely what they want here. They want that to happen here at a grander scale. Divide and conquer, man. I don't think it's going to happen because they showed their hand on January 6th. People who support Trump know that they have to be on their best behavior because they know there's a Fed around every corner trying to provoke them into doing something, anything, that can be used against them to make them look bad. 
So I think what would happen if Trump was put in prison is you would see more people voting than maybe ever before in history, definitely than ever before in history, and it would be a landslide. Maybe that's what they want all along. Who knows? But if that happens and then they still steal it and say that he did not win or they invalidate it some other way, then that's when everyone will know that this system no longer works and it's time for something different. A couple more interesting things about Eugene Debs. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison. He served six months. They let him out after the election was over. His, they said it was because his health had began, began to fail. Maybe it was. He did die six years later. Apparently did take a toll on him. But when he went back to his hometown after he got out, there were 50,000 roaring, screaming people and musical bands cheering him, celebrating him when he got home. He was even invited to the White House by his former opponent, the new president, Harding. And he was warmly welcomed into the White House. Four years after that, two years before he died, he was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. That's all very interesting, isn't it? Things took a turn, and it's like they were friends again after he had been imprisoned. Could you see any of that happening to Trump? Like, if Trump did not win, and they did put him in prison, maybe even gave him a 10-year sentence, after the, the election's over, could you see them letting him out in six months, all of a sudden being friendly again, welcoming him to the White House warmly, and then nominating him for a Nobel Peace Prize in a couple of years? Could you envision that happening? Do you think people who supported Debs could envision it happening to him? The people who protested for him when he was in prison, first imprisoned, people who got in fights and it turned into riots, who got bloodied and ended up being arrested and put in prison themselves because they were standing up for Eugene Debs. Do you think while all that was going on, if they were asked, if instead of 10 years, he would only serve six months, he'd get out right after the election, be welcomed warmly to the White House and get nominated for a peace prize. Do you think they would believe you? Probably not. It all does lend to the WWE theory of politics, which politics are absolutely WWE, but the idea that many believe that maybe Trump is actually working with all of them on this, willingly playing this role. Now, I will say this, Eugene Debs, he did die, okay, and, and he died six years after he was there. It took a toll on his health. The conditions were, were, were poor. So I don't know if that is something someone was willing to do. Maybe there's forgive and forget. Maybe it's just these people. That's how these psychopaths are. Personally, I don't know the answer. I don't know if they would welcome Trump back into the club afterwards, if any of that would happen. It certainly doesn't appear on the surface like that. But again, this is performance. But even in performance, people can still dislike each other and oppose each other. And all I know is this. No news is real. By accident sometimes, it's never the primary purpose to tell the truth for the news. They only tell the truth so that they can convey a larger lie. That's how they use the truth when it comes to news reporting. Everything is a psyop. Everything is propaganda. I do, however, believe that we give the powers that be too much credit for the ability that some perceive them to have to 
just coordinate harmoniously with each other at ungodly levels. Which that underestimates in and of itself the level of competitiveness that people who pursue such power like this have. They don't just like living side by side in harmony and, and not, you know, being better or trying to one-up each other. These people are super, super effing competitive. I mean, to a, to a level that a lot of people might not have seen before, but a level that absolutely impedes cooperation, is destructive towards cooperation. So I think there's factions. I think they shake hands sometimes to cooperate on certain things, but they never do so without holding a knife in the other hand, ready and willing to stab the other in the back at any moment. But I also believe that they're affected by the people, that if you pretend to be something, even if you didn't start that way, and it feels good being that, that the longer you play that role, the more you start to become that thing. I'm not saying that's what Trump is, but I'm saying normal human beings in a situation like this would start to relish the role and start to genuinely appreciate those who appreciated them. I, I think we just so easily ignore humans, the human factor. Nobody, unless they're truly lizards or robots, then you can't just pretend that that's not a factor and act like these people are just so all-powerful when they are all just freaking human beings. And most of them, by the way, some of the most ugly human beings to walk the planet. I mean, Klaus Schwab w would make a caveman revolt, okay? He would have a physiological reaction. He'd throw up violently at the sight of his ugly mug. It's fun to think about all that and, and you know, discuss that stuff sometimes, but it, it doesn't really matter when it gets down to it because what matters in all of this is, is that this is not about Trump. Everything they tell us makes people think it's about Trump. It's not. It's not about Trump. People don't need to be doing what they're doing for Trump. And this is how people get, get screwed and conned and, and act against their own self-interest. This is about all of us, all of our rights. And people get separate their hate of Trump. They realize that they're being blinded by what's happening to them and what could be applied to them tomorrow and will be applied to them when it comes to the deprivation of, of rights then they would stop doing it. But they are captured. And this, what we're seeing right now, along with demonstrating that they will strip people's rights away, they will set a dangerous precedent, is it's about displaying that power to all of us and trying to intimidate us through these public displays of abuse of power. They want us so afraid to question them that nobody dares speak up for fear that they'll be next. Because they didn't only go after Trump. They went after the other 18 people too. That's the game, man. That's the whole game. Make us think it's about something that's not Trump when it's really about all of our rights while turning us against each other. That's it, man. The more we resist turning against our fellow Americans like they're always propagandizing us to do, the stronger we become and the weaker their whole operation is. It crumbles. If we do not look at each other and, want, and hate each other. Instead, we stand together and, and we scrutinize them closely. Then they can't get away with shit. They only get away with shit because we're fighting with each other all the time. That's what terrifies them the most is the fact that we are far stronger, far more intimidating, 
far more powerful than they are. People just don't realize it because the propaganda has been running distraction since the day they were born. Personally, I, I treat the whole thing like it's a an overdramatic, a hilariously overdramatic soap opera that I like to watch so that I can make fun of it. And we should all make fun of it. We should all mock these sons of bitches all of the time. Okay? More people are waking up to this. It's a good thing. That's where I'm going to wrap up the show. And I'm going to come back later tonight. Might do it live. I have not decided yet. It would be at 8 p.m. if it is. But I'm doing a little bit of a different type of show. I'm going to be interviewing a friend of mine who, and this happened long before COVID, has nothing to do with COVID. It's a friend of mine who, when he was younger, he had a heart attack. He was in his 30s, I think, at the time. And he just has this, like, pretty extraordinary story that is, like, listening to it, I, I was my jaw was dropping. And I think it could potentially help people. So I, I'm going to be talking to him tonight. I'm looking forward to it. And after we talk about that, we're going to do an extended DMB XR where we're going to do a lot of stuff. And so I'm going to be back later if I don't do that live then that show will be up after we get done with the interview. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.